Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P dot com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, interviews with the living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week, our special guest is all the way from Brisbane, Australia. Her name is Katish Haberfield, and uh, she's an intuitive sound healer, energy healer, and past life regression therapist. She also runs a blog and a podcast, and her regression sessions are for you if you wish to make sense of your life by understanding your past, present, and future incarnations. Now, here's where things get a little different than normal. I'm going to have a session immediately following this podcast with Katish, and I'm going to encourage all of our listeners to go ahead and email us if you want to hear how it went. Um, and once again, thank you to Katish. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. As you know, the basic format for the show is we just like to ask three simple questions, which is how old are you? Uh, where did you grow up? And what generation, if any, do you think you belong to? Okay, easy. So um, I am 46 years old. I live in Brisbane in the state of Queensland in Australia. And before getting into the line of work that I do now, I would have identified myself as Generation X. Uh, but now I generate, I don't have a particular generation identification. I see myself as a continual stream of consciousness over time. Awesome. So uh, we're basically already to the most meaty and important subject <laughs> we get to, which I love. Um, so you know what? I have a feeling since um, we're going to be doing a session after this, I, I really just want to kind of let you have the floor. So in whatever order you think is better, you can either explain what you currently think happens when you die, or you can explain the road to getting there and then tell us. It's it's entirely up to you. Okay, well, because all your other guests do the road to getting here, I may as well explain that because it's kind of a little bit weird to be a past life regression therapist, yeah? <laughs> Indeed, and thank you. I'm just dying to hear this, though. So. so probably people say, what the, um, how did she get here? And uh, I mean, to start off with, I was pretty conservative, pretty mainstream. I started off um, at doing my undergrad and I went straight into my postgrad. So I did a Bachelor of Business and then a Master's of Business. Um, then I went and got uh, hired by, um, at that time, the largest consulting firm in the world, uh, Accenture, who were known as Anderson Consulting. And I, work, I worked in e-commerce. Uh, I moved to London and worked for a dot-com before the um, NASDAQ crashed. So we were working on how to get the internet on your mobile phone. Aging myself right oh, now. Wow. But yeah, so e-commerce <laughs> e was my world. And I thought, you know, I lived in Brisbane. I worked in Sydney and then Melbourne and then moved to London. And I was like, see ya, mom. See ya, dad. I'm coming back when I'm a CEO and you can visit me in New York. <laughs> And it didn't work out that way. Um, I got very disillusioned very quickly with the corporate world. And I then trained in, I did the backpacking thing um, as I went around Europe on the way home from living in the London. And I thought, what the heck do I do now that, you know, the NASDAQ has crashed? And I thought, follow your passion. So I like to drink wine and eat cheese. My family mm -hmm. uh, are third generation cheesemakers. So I went and studied winemaking and wine marketing at university, which led me into working in the wine industry for a while. Uh, and then when I had kids, I was a university lecturer. And like the spiritual thing didn't start until 
So here's the scene. Imagine I am married. I have a husband, bless his soul, who hates the city. So we live in rural and regional areas. We have two kids in a short space of time. And uh, my dad gets diagnosed with uh, stage four terminal cancer. I, I leave my husband, so we get separated. And then a friend has an accident on her you know, push bike, falls off and has a double brain stem stroke and becomes locked in. So, you know, the kind where you can only uh, blink your eyes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, uh, and then my dad dies and then she she's alive. But, you know, in an 18-month period of time, the world just went, Ooh. and I had always been interested in death. I had always been interested in NDEs. Like I always read books on them. Don't ask me why, just always interested. I had always been interested in religion. Oh, sorry, real quick for our audience, uh, NDEs, near-death experiences. Yeah, always been interested in religion but didn't have a religious family. My mom was Catholic. My dad was Protestant. They were non-practicing. Dad used to drop me off at church on a Sunday morning. He didn't go. He read the paper in the car park. <laughs> and, and he said, you have to go until one day you say to me, I've had enough. And then one day I said, I've had enough. Um, I went to a non-denominational, non-religious school, but in year 11 and 12, so senior years, I chose to study the religions of the world. I thought it would be cool to do theology or philosophy or something like that at university, but I studied business because, you know, practical, got to make money. And it wasn't really until, you know, fast forward to when I was like 35 that I actually became interested in spirituality. I actually started to question the world and that's where it all began for me. So I guess from from there, I found at that time, which was through no fault of Christianity's, but I I identified as being a uniting church within and a Christian. But when I was struggling with the how to be a good Christian, how to keep my family together, and I couldn't find a solution for that, uh, I couldn't find the comfort that I was looking for within the the church, I mean, I had just started because my kids were born, taking them to church regularly and, you know, we christened them and did all that sort of stuff. And so I, I was searching for for some kind of a, a comfort, I guess. But what actually ended up happening was when I separated from my husband uh, and I talk about it in my own podcast is I ran towards Buddhism and I spent a lot of time in a local um, Buddhist monastic setting here in Australia. And I would classify the next sort of eight years of my life as exploring Buddhism uh, before moving now into classifying myself as as not identifying with a religion, being spiritual. And, and so real quick, just because um, you're, you're doing a great job. I mean, I'm uh, spellbound, but I am a little curious about like how old you were and how old your children were at, at a few points of the story, because for me, it'll help me imagine it better. So when your father was diagnosed, how old were your two children uh, one and a half and three. Okay. And so you were like about 30, 30 or in your late twenties? Uh, 33. Yeah. Around 33. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So I was just trying to keep track of uh, the timeline because for me, it's, it's very relevant. Um, just because I think people, their, their stages of growth and their, you know, perspectives change as we age, but also with the age of the children and, and the marriage and all that. So if there's a, I'm caught up. I feel satiated. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I got married uh, just before 30, had a baby at 30, a divorce completely by 35. Okay. Got it. Thank you. All right. 
and now I'm 46. So I've been divorced and single since then. Okay. And and you share the two children? Uh, I have them like 97% of the time because he works away. Okay. Got it. And I'm asking only because I'm trying to figure out like where if the children are around, you're going to Buddhism with them and stuff like that. Yeah, so, so the children uh, and I have talked about reincarnation since like they were babies. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. It's just always been part of been part of the thing. But they have both gone their own path. Uh, we have one who is completely uh, shuts down if you talk about religion. Uh, but he's fascinated by history and civilizations and the Romans and do you know what I mean? He's like, he's that, that's his mindset. And then the other one, he's happy to talk about Jesus and Christianity. Um, but the little one who is more Christian, I would say, uh, used to, we used to have fabulous discussions about reincarnation. Now he just shuts down and says it's a load of, so, um, they're on their own path. So I love it because, uh, they're at that stage now where they don't believe what I believe and it's fabulous it's so interesting because um we just had our first child my wife and i and you know she's seven months old so it's it's just fascinating to picture the phase where she'll adopt anything i say and then the phase where she'll reject it and then what you're talking about which is the true uh choosing for themselves and actually on that line let's get back to you because even though i do like hearing about your children what uh what stages of your life did you hear the word reincarnation and did you embrace or reject it starting with the two years at high school yeah, so in the, the course that we did at high school, we studied all of the religions. So I guess we, it would have kind of come up when we studied, you know, uh, Hinduism and Buddhism. It was just, you know, like within two years you had a certain amount of time for each religion. I don't particularly remember a lot about it, but, you know, I remember starting to question things when, you know, the 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 fellow who ran the course for us, he was an Anglican minister, and, oh, I loved him. He was just amazing. And when he told me about the, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, I was like, sorry, you mean there's stuff that's not in the Bible? Okay. That's interesting. Now, now I'm starting to question what I think about the Bible. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, I think that was just like a bit of a door opener. And to say also at the same time, I went on, uh, for a couple of months during between grade 11 and grade 12, I went on a high school exchange to Germany and I was placed with a Muslim family. So it was like, you asked for some different religious experiences, so here have them. <laughs> you know, not everyone, every child goes to Germany and then is placed with a Muslim family. So that, that was pretty crazy, crazy fun. It, as to anything else about reincarnation, I guess my true understanding of it really happened when I was doing a lot of soul searching in – uh, the monastic environment, like I would go on a weekend to the the Buddhist study centre and sit in there and the, the monks and the nuns would teach you. And so I would do courses at that time about karma and relationships because that's what I needed to understand. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I keep my marriage together? Why do I suddenly really dislike my husband? You know, everybody else in the world loves him. Why do we have this terrible relationship? Um, you know, uh, I was the one here. Here's the interesting part. I was the one who proposed to him. I had this real need to. So I was like, I put myself in this situation. So somebody give me some answers as to why, you know, why? If I, if, if I chose this, why don't I, why do I choose now to potentially exit it? And it was a real 
you know, real soul searching moment. I, I had my own Britney Spears moment as a result of it. I, I thought about it so hard that I created stress welts on my head and I had a panic attack and famously shaved my hair off with uh, a razor in the bathroom and uh, a, a pair of scissors one night um, because I thought it would heal the, the welts and, you know, sent myself off to a psychologist the next morning, mom, I'm bald. And, um, <laughs> got a psych evaluation and they just said, uh, there's nothing wrong with you, girlfriend. You just, you've just reached the end of your limits. So in, to answer your question about reincarnation, that's when the Buddhists taught that, and I got great solace from, uh, the fact that people are brought together for karmic reasons. They have lessons to learn. And the Buddhists say that when the karmic intensity for a relationship has, uh, finished, then you will exit the relationship. And they say that there's no there's no shame in that. No shame. Do not suffer about it. You were brought together for a reason. You've served that purpose. Now you must move on. Don't suffer. Wow. I have never heard of that. Now I have to ask a nuanced question. When the official relationship ended, meaning the marriage, you still have a relationship with him. So is the Buddhist adage for this like referring to just the contractual marriage slash like like if you're dating someone yeah yeah okay so romantic okay cool well that's fascinating wow okay so please continue I'm, that's i've never heard that that's great yeah and i was seeing a buddhist psychologist uh psycho psychotherapist at the time and she was she explained it to me because she went through the same thing she said look you know when my first marriage failed i went to my my um teacher who was uh the lama lama zopa rinpoche and he's just like you know, in modern terms, dude, like, don't stress. It's okay. You haven't failed. And she's like, what? And he's like, that's just a Western interpretation that you must suffer through marriage. You know, uh, just, and, and Buddhism is all about logic and reason. He's, he's like, check your logic and reason, you know, think about it. Why, what is the pretext that says two people must stay in a relationship that is detrimental to them if they can't repair that relationship. Uh, they call it they call it grasping and attachment in Buddhism. So it's like you are grasping, you're you're trying so hard to save that you're grasping and you're attaching yourself. It's like you're trying desperately to throw a bar back into that other person and hook you back in, but it's like there's nothing to attach to anymore. So let it go. Don't be attached to the relationship and let be what will be. And it's in detaching from the attachment that you get to take a breath. It doesn't make it any less easier in terms of your, you know, your Western mind, but you know, you can keep coming back to that and, you know, check your thoughts and go, Oh, what am I attaching to? What am how why am I suffering? And then um it wasn't until much later, like recently, when uh, you know, I learned about um going into the superconscious mind and checking who my soul mates were and who what my soul contracts were with various relationships that I was like ah now I understand and you know his privacy is paramount and I was like okay we have an agreement there and we've met before and it's none of it's got nothing to do with him and he isn't meant to find out you know the stuff that you discover about past lives is your personal private information unless you choose to share it for teaching purposes or whatever it is but you must not necessarily run to that person and say hey you're a nasty person do you know what you did to me in last life you know or you know what i mean like it's it's got nothing to do with that 
if they if they want to find out if that's on their path for this life then that information will be revealed to them but otherwise it's your um sacred information that you have to learn to keep to yourself because you've been given that higher purpose of information for you to ease your suffering. And actually, I have a sort of random question, but it might not make sense because I don't know what the law is in Australia. But in America, if you see a counselor, a therapist, any person, they're required by law to report any knowledge of like, for example, child molestation, elder abuse, you know, like abuse in general, domestic violence. Like there are certain codes of it's not ethics. It's literally the law. Like they have to report it. So you as a past life regression therapist, are you required to report something that someone admits to doing in a past life? It's finished business. A past life is a finished business. Um, unless unless it's like um, I have never come across it. The only time I've ever heard of it when I've been researching other people's case studies is where a little boy um, went believed he was a certain person in a past life and he was he was murdered in that past life and the past life was in our current time frame so like he was born he was like two or three or four or five or whatever and he just wouldn't stop talking about his past life and um, he knew he'd been hurt and they took him to that location and he actually found his own shallow grave wow that's intense um actually bookmark these fun, awesome stories, because I'd love to ask you more about them. But I do want to definitely hear not only the rest of your story, but also what you believe happens when you die, not when we die, but when you die. Mm. So it depends, in my opinion, and I believe, and from what I've seen with my clients that I that I help understand past lives, your beliefs before you die are going to create the environment that you see when you die. So basically when you die, the spirit leaves your body and you follow the white light. And then what happens after the white light depends upon your religious upbringing and your beliefs. So what I have seen and, and, and witnessed, so to speak, in my sessions is that people follow the white light and then what they see next is the environment that they believe in. But generally somebody comes and greets them, uh, a spirit guide, a uh, a, a friend, a family member, a soulmate, and they take them up to the afterlife. Um, there they then, depending upon their soul's journey, goes directly to healing. And so that healing chamber is where you review your life. And this is where the modern context of hell comes in or in the Buddhist, there's all the different levels of um, of reality. And in in that environment you review and see every decision you made in that lifetime there's no judgment from anybody else except for yourself because you know what you came to do you review against what you were supposed to do and then you you feel and see the suffering that you caused everybody or didn't cause everybody and so that's where the concept of hell comes because if you've killed somebody or hurt somebody uh, or destroyed somebody's opportunity in life you're going to feel it and so people who have done things that are terrible spend a very long time in healing, a very long time. Once you finish the healing and you reviewed your life, then you go and do more learning, you catch up with your soul family, and then at some point you're going to be taken to the soul council or the light council who will help you choose your next life. Wow. I mean, this is we interviewed someone named Christian Sundberg who 1,000% agrees with everything you said, and he talks about it like matter-of-factly and almost like with boredom. Uh, not to discredit him, to, to give him credit. Like it's just this. So he, he had a prenatal memory at the age of 30 and his prenatal memory was exactly what you just talked about. Yeah. It's fascinating. 
it's just absolutely fascinating to me. So, so really, it's just the transition that's going to match my belief system. It's not actually the final destination. That's going to be universally the same is what you're saying. Yes, the transition is, it, is, uh, it, it provides you context so that you're not scared or afraid. It's, it's what you believe. It's what you see. It's, the purpose is to comfort you. So if I, this is fake, this is not my belief, but if I did believe that like my current wife who's going to outlive me takes me to the, the chamber, is that still going to happen? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Can you take someone who's still on earth and alive to be your guide? Yeah, well, because uh, you and I exist here, but also simultaneously up there. Ah, okay. Wow. Because there's only a portion of us here. So our higher self is always on the other side. And it's just the portion of our soul that has chosen to incarnate to have an experience as a personal personality, an ego-based human that then goes up. So yes, your wife hypothetically could be the person that meets you because if she's one of your um, soul mates or soul guides, soul family, then she's you're everywhere at the same time. Totally makes sense. And then I have like four more questions to ask just on this very specific subject. Um, and I love the way that you matter of fact, the answer. So if, if for some reason you don't feel like that, I won't, you know, be upset, but, um, what, uh, you spoke about you'll spend a longer time and use the word time. And from what I understand, time and space are relatively connected and then also unrelatively. So are you referring to like meaning you can't reincarnate in earth time and come back here quickly? Or are you referring to literally like there's actually time in the beyond here dimension? Uh, what I'm referring to when I say time is our human understanding of time. Uh, there is no such time isn't linear, but our brain as a human is designed to understand linear time. So it's very hard for, we can talk theoretically about the fact that there is no time and that all incarnations are happening at once simultaneously, but it doesn't really help our brain because we kind of go into meltdown. We're like, I, I can't deal with that. What do you mean? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's, my understanding is that once you go up there, there there isn't what we call human time, but human time on Earth still keeps ticking. And then my understanding is that when you go to choose a new incarnation, you can actually choose what time frame, time period is best for your soul to go back into because time happens all at once. But that's kind of like a real brain fry. Okay, last brain fry question, but I have to ask because I write science fiction sometimes. Uh, is it possible both in theory or have you ever come across an individual who their higher self had two humans on Earth at the same time? Absolutely possible, yes. Wow, my mind is totally blown. Okay, wow. So I could, in theory, like shake hands with myself and my higher self is just giggling and I don't know it in either incarnation. Yes, but uh, yes. Mm, that's a simple easy yes. Uh, and I know, I know that, and I can't tell you why, but I know that from personal experience, yes, it is possible. Yep. Okay. And actually, you're, that was a perfect segue because we're kind of connected on this subject. Um, how much of your own past lives are you not willing to share as in like, I want to hear gossipy details, but like, how much do you keep personal and how much do you share with other people? Uh, I'm pretty open. I mean, my podcast, you can listen to episodes where I go into past lives and some of them have been horrendous. I've actually been told by people, oh, please stop doing those because it's turning turning people off. But if you're on a spiritual path and you're here to be a teacher, then you've been both bad and good. Wow. Because bad and good is, is just black and white. So uh, I share the bad experiences because it's on my path and there are deep, deep, deep learning lessons. Uh, so I've shared experiences where I was a monk um, in what's currently Westminster Abbey and it's uh, and I teach about self-punishment and how I was taught in that life to punish myself and how that has implications still 700 years later for my life. 
But there are ones that I don't share. Yeah, that's for sure. Because, you know, I have children and they're teenagers. They're very impressionable. Could you imagine if someone from school Googled, Googled and they're like, oh, your mum reckons she is. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm totally going to go and listen to your podcast. <laughs> um, and it's actually my favorite subject. And I love near-death experiences too. We, we have a little bit of time left. I want to give you your chance to say whatever you want to say. And I do want to ask for sure two more questions. So I'm going to get my two out of the way. And then I'm going to kind of let you navigate the rest. Um, the first question that I wanted to ask was, uh, is there anything like trepidatious with the career that you would want to warn someone about who is interested in going into it? Meaning have you ever like, not, not about having your own past life regression analysis, but in the experience of hearing others, is there anything like dangerous or something you didn't see coming? No, there's nothing dangerous. You have to understand that to do the work, to help others, you have to do your own work deeply at the same time. So you can't be somebody, you can't be a past life regression therapist and not go into your own past lives. It's just a prerequisite. You have to be willing to do what your clients are willing to do. And sub question, you can't, uh, I guess it's not a sub question, but like, let's say you were picking my brain like this afternoon and it becomes evident that I'm like Joseph Stalin. And are you allowed to just start asking me a million questions or does, do I have an ability in that state to see, say like, Hey, I'm done. This is like, you're now taking advantage of me or something like that. Uh, you're always in control. Your higher self is in control. Okay. They will protect you from knowledge that you're not ready to hear or see. Oh, wow. Uh, they will only show you what's in the best and highest interest of your soul. So they, they will actively block knowledge from you and from me if it's not relevant or important. And that's where the ethics come in. So, uh, and I can ask them because I can interact with them and say, and ask them why, and then we respectfully retreat. Cool. And actually that's kind of what my other question was about the danger was, have you ever like heard something that then changed your like normal ability to be normal? Like, so you now understood that even though the world thinks this person is a great leader, and I'm not referring to anyone in particular at all for people listening at home. And then you're like, no, 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 I know this dark secret because this person actually knew them and, you know, 50 years ago, blah, blah, blah. Is that... Is that possible slash would that ever happen? Well, the best way I can relate to that is with my own experience. And, you know, there is a particular incarnation of mine where I was horrified when I discovered who I was. I'm not going to tell you who it was. But through processing that, I came to understanding that what we think about what happens to people is different to the spiritual reality. So, People take on spiritual tasks to do things, to be catalysts in this world. Sometimes, unfortunately, humankind needs certain things to happen in order for stereotypes, cultures, religions, um, financial institutions, uh, oppression, whatever, to be experienced at an intense level so that it never happens again. So... In my words, not yours, just for everyone listening, maybe it's a case of don't kill the messenger. Like, for example, I've always thought that perhaps Adolf Hitler was actually a very, very, very enlightened saint who came back to Earth to do humanity a favor. Again, send me hate mail, whatever you want. It's just a theory, but is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, and it actually is. You can... (laughs) I'll direct anybody who's interested to the answer to that question, because I know the answer to that question, to Channeling Eric. It's a fascinating podcast and YouTube um, channel. And they use mediums to connect with spirits on the other side. 
and they have the answer to your question and you're not far off. Katish, first of all, I could talk to you for another two hours. So for now, anything you feel that I didn't ask or left out, I really want you to take your time and and speak about it. What would you like to say about the subject and the world? (laughs) So first of all, if you think, um, if you're listening to this and you think that what I've been saying is a load of rubbish, then that's okay. Please don't feel that you need to have the same beliefs as me. Everybody has different life paths and has different lessons to learn on their life. So we are allowed to exist with opposing and conflicting beliefs because we have different challenges to follow. So please don't think that I would think any less of any of the listeners if they didn't agree with anything I said. Secondly, if you are interested, follow it because whenever you are interested or passionate about a topic or something sparks there's a spark in you, you know, it lights a spark. That lighting lighting of the spark is actually from your higher self. It's your soul telling you that there's something that needs to be resolved, uh, learnt, resolved or brought to your attention. So always follow the sparks of interest because there is a divine calling in that. And secondly, uh, in this past two years, we've had to deal with intense, intense uh, grief with, you know, a virus that attacks the lungs and the lungs is where we store grief. And so the world has had to deal with, once again, mortality. And it's been difficult for everybody. But I just ask you, in hindsight and over time, when you get the chance to lean into the trust that you do continue, you do come around again, And it is really traumatic what we have gone through, but trust that the people that you've lost are not lost. Well, that's very special and very just, it's very special. I have no better word for that. Um, Katish Taverfield, thank you so much for coming on and thank you in advance for the session we're about to do together. And I I want to repeat what you said because I think it's really important. If you don't believe this, if you don't believe any of our guests because we have different guests who say different things, it doesn't matter to me or to these guests. And I hope you're no- I hope you're noticing that theme. We've never had a guest who said, you must believe what I'm saying or, you know, please. And I, I just think this is part of how the world can heal right now. And as always, since I say it every week, you've helped us put, I would say, more than one nail in the coffin. I think we put a few in. We might have actually removed nails from the coffin. At any rate, uh, everyone, please, there's going to be plenty of information for how to find her. You can just literally Google her name and you'll come straight to her website. I am plugging her because I believe in her and I just want people to give themselves a fair chance if, as she said, you have a spark of interest, please follow it. Um, whatever that means. And uh, for those of you who have been tuning in and been loyal, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. The number one thing you can do to help support us is just simply subscribe to the podcast. Number two with a bullet would be to go to MikeyOp.com and sign up for the paid subscription, which gets you bonus episodes and things like that. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to Tish again. And uh, this is Coffin Talk. My name is Mike Oppenheim, and we will see you soon. And I feel that you're near me and I say you are my blue.